Okay, Daniel, United 3, West Ham nil. That was apparently the uh, record number of defeats in the Premier League for David Moyes, 269 of them. (laughs) (laughs) Cracking stat, that is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess that says something about his longevity and also he's a bit shit. But yet one of... One of the best performances produced by David Moyes' team at Old Trafford. Oh, well, yes. 17 attempts. He's also had more attempts at beating United than he actually had games at Old Trafford. It was kind of funny, wasn't it? That you kind of, that that, that season post-Fergie, that was just like team after team after team, like your Everton's, your Newcastle's, your Southampton's, that haven't won at Old Trafford since God was a lad yeah. getting their first <laughs> win because Moyes was there. Uh, thank you, David. Yes, well, United won today on 0.8 xG. So I don't know whether that says we we didn't create very much uh, or we were just particularly clinical today. I suppose there were some pretty good goals in there, and it felt good. Just 22 shots allowed against West Ham. It could have been a lot worse if they weren't so shit. I felt yeah, like it was a routine win. And we haven't seen any of those. I mean, the last United have only won one league game by more than one goal this season. That was away to Everton in November. Right. There have been a few in the Cups like that. We know Palace Reserves, Wigan yeah, and Newport. But every other win has been by one goal. Yeah, wow. It helps when you've got your players back. Although with Lissandro Martinez hobbling off and Harry Maguire holding his hamstring at the end, <laughs> maybe we haven't got all our players back. It may, may have been short-lived that. Fortunately, not too many games coming up. It's a week between each game until the next round of the Cup against Bristol or Forest. I'm not sure when they played that game, but it's not a lot of football coming up. So time on the training field, time to get fit. Lissandro, who I think makes a big difference. Just not only the defensive side of things, just moving the ball out of the back quickly. It really helps United's build-up. So... Anyway, much, much, much better today. I, I guess it was just, it was a little bit loose in that first half. West Ham actually had a lot of shots in that first half, and I felt like Casemiro was giving the ball away and then not quite recovering. He takes a while to get up to speed, and Maynou probably not quite as good as he was in midweek. A little bit quieter. Rashford and Gardacho couldn't get into the game until late on. But then it really sort of took off. Second half was you know, much, much easier than it could have been. Even when Ten Hag doing his best to bring off players and bring on the mighty Scott McTominay to ruin our game management. But again, I mean, McTominay made the third goal, and I he did. Yeah. I would sell him if I got a good offer. If we got a good offer for him, because as an is FFP very useful indeed. But as a player to have on the bench, you can both get you a goal and give you some level of security with like a bit of height at the back. That's not. Those those characteristics are not unuseful. So, oh sure, yeah. If there was enough, I, I I wouldn't be totally opposed to keeping him. Actually, on Martinez, I thought it was a bit weird when he got brought off at Wolves in midweek. Not because I mean, obviously, it was precautionary, partly because he hurt his foot. But then afterwards, Tenaf said, "Well, also he he'd taken off Hoyland, so he wanted some height at the back." And that part part of me that heard that was like, "Come on, man! Like you brought that centre back who is small." You've got to deal with that. You've got to work with that. You can't just take him off to where you might have to defend some set pieces. Also, I would be much happier with him there defending a set piece than Maguire, even though Maguire might be might be taller, bigger, and thought to be better in the air. I don't trust him. And one thing that's very noticeable at Wolves, because we were quite low down and down the side, is you can see that the defence is being organised by Martinez. Mm. And 
I was surprised that Tanakh was so willing to remove that if if it was just an issue mm. of height at the back because I felt like and if you're going to do it then take off maybe a forwards and keep Martinez on if you're actually going to do that mm. shit then sort of do it properly and I mean we just about got away with it but Martinez yeah was excellent in that game and he was good for the amount of time he played today yeah it Ten. didn't look like it looked terrible what happened to him, but his reactions suggested he knew that it was a problem immediately. So, Well, and he couldn't really carry on. Could have been naughty, really, just kind of falling on him off the pitch. Ten Hag said after the game, quote, it seems bad. We have to wait and make, make the right diagnosis in this moment. We're very sad. Hopefully it's not too bad. We can only pray. It looks like we have to sit, he'll have to, he has to sit out some games injured again. So that doesn't exactly sound positive, does it? I mean, no, I, no. It, look, it looked like... A few weeks minimum, just by the way that people reacted to it, the way that he reacted to it. He was obviously sore. Yeah. Yeah. And just his reaction was more kind of anguish than pain because he's thinking, I fucked myself again. Well, hopefully it's strain of the ligaments rather than actual torn because torn is months, strain maybe weeks. we'll, We'll see. It's hopefully like coming out of one of our best wins of the season, like that would really put a cloud on it wouldn't it? Because he's just so important. What with Varane's fitness, Lindelof's fitness, Maguire's officialness, all of it, it's it's not awesome. I, to, I mean, talking to defenders, I thought our best defender today was probably uh, Diogo Dallo, and I don't say that very often. I mean, he put in a couple of excellent, well, one really excellent last-ditch challenge, was seemed pretty buzzy going forward. Luke Shaw maybe one game too many in his comeback. It was pretty quiet today, as was Rashford. Uh, but Dallo did uh, did pretty well, I thought. Even, I mean, I wrote even before that tackle, I'd written in my notes that he was having a good game. He's actually been quite a lot improved recently because I think in the if you put him in a team with some other good players in it, then he will immediately look better. So that even if he's not the standard that you would like, he could potentially be as good as you would need for a replacement. And I know that I've been saying on here for a while that if I was deciding between him and Wan-Bissaka which one to keep, I'd pick Wan-Bissaka because Dallo is just a less good, just a not good enough version of the fullback we need and Wan-Bissaka is something a slightly different option. I feel like I might have changed my mind on that because ultimately if we're going to play the way that Tenach wants us to play, Wan-Bissaka is fucking useless for that. So... I think we need to have a situation where if whoever comes in to play right back, and I assume we will get one this summer, if they're not fit, the person that comes in is capable of playing in a similar manner and Wan-Bissaka isn't. So, yeah, increasingly I feel like I would probably keep Dallo. But, yeah, he's improving. He's much better at moving into midfield. And with the players that we have in midfield, given one of them is Bruno and one of them is Casemiro, whose legs are gone, mm-hmm. we are going to need that, that support from the fullback is helpful. And it also means that if you've got a fullback who can go on the outside or invert, then it gives you more the wide player more options, particularly now it's Garnacho. And one of the things that's been pleasing is, aside from the fact that he's now playing on the right, and we feel it feels like we've solved that problem, we now know it's not really affecting his goal scoring. Right, clearly, yeah. I mean, he, he can score from anywhere. All right, let's talk about some of the goals, because uh, the first one, Rasmus Hoyland, now got four in five, scored in four Premier League games in a row. Apparently the youngest United player to ever, ever do that, although I'm always suspicious of those kind of stats because is it just Premier League era, so it doesn't, it's missing a good 100 years of football there. But after a difficult start 
first half of the season where he couldn't score in the Premier League, he's now getting goals, and that was a that's a nice finish. Shift the right foot, hit it cleanly. Uh, maybe he's coming good. Also, a sort of through ball or a poked pass from Casemiro. He doesn't get enough of those in front of him. Uh, he's having to come to the ball a lot, and I think it really helps him. Right, it comes alive when it's in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I thought that his that the Wolves was the best game in terms of all round play that we'd seen from him, and it was because the Wolves. I remember on the way to the game, I was saying to the boys I was with that it doesn't have to be brilliant or perfect tonight, but if it's still shit, then it's fucked. Yeah, because he had his one to eleven in that game, Tenas, and if you're not seeing something just approximating to modern football, then. You're never going to. And we did see something proper. And I think that was why Hoyland was so much better, that he was the ball was going into midfield quicker and that allowed midfield to get him involved soon. So although I agree with you that really, like, you want him around in and around the box, sorry, in and around the six-yard box as well, running across to the front post, like for the second, like for the goal at Wolves, if you're getting the ball into him quickly, then he's able to come short, give it off, and then head to the box. Whereas it was coming so slowly and inaccurately before that, he just wasn't able to do anything. And he he was getting the ball quickly today. And one of the things I also liked about the goal was there were two tackles, one by Martinez and one by Casemiro, that yeah. kept that kept the move alive and kept us kept them boxed. And that kind of aggression is what we've been without for most of the season and one of the main reasons we've been as crap as we have. Yeah, Casemiro managed to avoid getting a booking today. He did go in with one Zusa tackle where he completely missed the West Ham player at, at Wolves where he got booked after, what, two minutes? You're just waiting on a red card, aren't you? I mean, he's still a red card waiting to happen because he's just not got the mobility of old and he's making up for it by flying into tackles. I mean, that's a... part of it. And part of it is just it's post-Fergie wilderness years malaise that he got away with everything, the entirety of his career, turns up at United and suddenly his invisibility cloak has vanished and he's just getting busted for absolutely everything. And part of that is him, you're right, like the slowing of legs, the speed of the Premier League, and part of it is just Manchester United, man. Just yeah, I know, bad, right. shit, bad shit just happens to everyone who was previously, who were previously excellent at swerving it. But he is, I mean, he's not played that well yet, but having him there is making a difference. For sure. It's a much better balance with him and, and Manu in there. I mean, I, I, I wish he would, Casemiro, that is, just play five-yard balls. That's all he needs to do. He's just so loose with possession otherwise. And and if he, although he is very good going forward, he can't cover back when he does it. So I'd, I'd want him to restrict his movement a little bit. He doesn't need to go so forward with Manu in there. Or they pick and choose. I mean, it's the Lampard and uh, Gerrard of... Uh, Manchester United 2024, isn't it? This uh, Sorry, sorry for making that comparison. Um, but uh, it's just, it's much better balance in there. I like it a lot. I mean, Mount could do the job that Casemiro does if he's the forward player. It's just, he's not fit. And yeah, we don't know when he will be fit because they don't give up well, on injured players anymore at United. No, like it did, from what Tenor said, though, it felt like not imminently. Yeah. I don't even know what his problem is. Do we know? Do we know? Don't know. I mean, he said he'd be able to play again this season or something, didn't he? Which suggests that he's not coming back anytime soon. And I mean, he, if you looked at look at our bench today, it's not good. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess we have Varane, who who's had a step. I don't know if you noticed, but there were quite a lot of haircuts in this team today. Bruno had one. Garnacho looked like he'd had one. I think Mainly might have had one as well. But Varane, 
Uh, do you remember the step? Those of you who aren't old, like Ed and I, so a step it was popular at the beginning of the nineties, and maybe the not, I mean, I, baggy jeans and baggy trousers in general are back in back. In maybe well, I see so maybe it. this is part of that. It's where the first time I ever went to have my hair cut on my own, I had a step. It was where you have the kind of they shave around the sides from about halfway down, and then at the back, so your hair is basically graduated onto two levels. And it was it was eventually replaced by the undercut, which created a kind of similar effect. But by you'd pull up your curtains like that across, and then they'd shave like they'd shave, give you a number one underneath or something. But yeah, Varane's got a step, and he's like about fifty. Well. Maybe they had this celebrity hairdresser turning up at Carrington. You know how it is. Veranda will have to make a decision about it in summer. Obviously, I, I suspect they take any kind of fee. Same with Casemiro. Uh, apparently, according to today's papers, Al Hilal were in for Bruno Fernandez. I yeah, United were never yeah. going to accept that one. But there'll be a lot of decisions to make in the summer. And, and on Ten Hag too, he's got six months to prove that he's he's good enough to be United manager. And I don't know what they're looking for as their benchmark, but you know, still eight points off top four, top five. Sorry, off Aston Villa. Obviously, play them next week. That could make a big difference in that in that calculation. Um, so this was an important win, moving above West Ham into sixth place. Europa Conference League ain't going to win itself, is it? Uh, so. I I mean I think that almost it, it won't matter what's happened in the season until this point if we're good for the next four months uh, he'll he'll keep his job because if we're good with the team and it's, it's positive at the end of the season then I, I think I think Tenaf will probably be okay but if it's still if it hasn't improved a lot between now and then yeah then he's absolutely done for yeah and and just having players back fit obviously it's going to make a big difference I mean the ones we've had back. So far, shame. It looks like we've we're going to lose Lissandro for a while, which is is a big blow. He made a great block from that Ben Johnson shot. Yeah, I want Ben Johnson instead. He's a great foot, great footballing literary name. He's the Volpone in the box. A level English gag there. Widley played up front. Ben Johnson, also on the right-hand side of West Ham's attack. I mean, they were in such a low block for most of this game that I guess he was just an auxiliary right-back, wasn't he? They they didn't have a... I mean, for all the shots West Ham had, none of them were really great opportunities. I mean, I guess there's that one save that Anana made from the header in the first half, came off, uh, was it Edson Alvarez's chest? Gufal and that was Alvarez. Quite, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a bad save, that one. I mean, I, I've had enough of this goalkeeper though. Oh no, no, no! I just, I can't. Like, so even if you look at the Wolves game, right? Should he have saved the second or the third? Maybe we don't really know because he didn't make any kind of sensible effort. But it's not even that. It's that every cross. So the one that Martinez has to clear off the line is because. He's fucked up a cro- coming for a cross. He did it again today. Comes flying out, gets nowhere near it, and it doesn't go anywhere. And also just the handling. Like If Wolves have followed everything in, they probably have got a goal or two on the rebound just because he doesn't hold shit cleanly. And it's just no. it's not feasible. Come on, Arsenal. One of Arsenal, good. It's not feasible to me that he can get better enough and that, because, first of all, as we keep saying, the problem is with... with his whole manner of keeping goal. But also, if we say that it's just adjusting to the Premier League and adjusting to United, you're a goalkeeper. Like, all you have to do is stop the ball going in the net, which is an extremely difficult activity, but 
nowhere near as difficult as he makes it look. And if that's his response to pressure, and his response to pressure lasts from August to February, then that is another nah. Yeah, it doesn't make it feel comfortable at all. I mean, there's even even the one chart I forget which West Ham player it was, the long range shot, which he sort of punched out as Kufal was following in. You're like, ah, not convinced by the punch. He did get it away, thankfully. I mean, I agree against Wolves. There are a few that spilled. He doesn't. He doesn't fill you with confidence, does he? I mean, he went. He only missed one United Premier League game, and he had like the most disastrous tournament with Cameroon. <laughs> Turned up Just... late, chucked a couple in, got dropped, fell out with the manager, went back home. I mean, it's maybe he'll retire for proper now. But I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's it, it, they will have to make a decision on him. Problem is, they spunked fifty million on him, and he's got he's a five-year contract. So he's one of those keepers that will meet in some penalty shootout in a few years, and he'll save fucking everything. Like <laughs> dodgy goalkeeper save penalties, and unfortunately, like that is. <laughs> but if we'd have had Tom Heaton in that in Europe, we'd still be in Champions League. Yeah, probably. And all it needs. All it should really need this. Of course, it's good to have a goalkeeper with who makes saves, who makes brilliant saves that you can't imagine them until he's made them. But if you're good, just someone competent and tidy who won't chuck goals in is is all right. I mean, the thing is, is to play the way we're planning to play, you do need someone with feet. And I don't know how many of those goalkeepers there are. I mean, I'll tell you who's got a good one, it looks like, is Tottenham. Uh, yeah, he's had an excellent. Vicario's had a really excellent Vicario's, season. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks very, he looks very good. Yeah, but we're not even seeing much in the way of passing for another. No, not really. And so. now he's got targets and the team that's actually starting to play well. So we should be, we should be seeing that. But his uh, attacking output, uh, as measured by the various passing statistics and XG chain, they used to call it, uh, is actually much, much down on when he was at Ajax. So. And part of that's to do with the way United can't build up, but uh, partly also to do with with him. His passing is not really necessarily what it was uh, built up to be. So, and and if he's dodgy with his hands as well, Dave's still sitting out there without if, a contract. So he would have saved. He would have saved the Neto goal because he just stopped it with his foot. Yeah. The problem is he'd probably have come for crosses with his feet as well. So yeah. <laughs> if he'd come, for, I say that, but as if he's coming for any cross. It's, it's an interesting one with Dave. He's set out six months. He got offered apparently a short-term deal by Forrest, turned it down because he, I don't know, feels he can play at a higher level than that. But there isn't a club coming in for him when he's on the free. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm not convinced yet that United have an upgrade there. The, the second two goals in the second half, both pretty nice moves on the break for the third. I uh, forget the movement for the second. Uh, it was a pass outside, wasn't it, to Garnaccio to slip it in. So, oh, no, no, it's deflected shot. Deflected shot, yeah. Deflected but, shot. I mean, it, it was... Yeah. But that's it. You have to shoot. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, he, he, and it's that ability that we've now got. To, he can come, come in on... He can still hit him with his left foot, so he's able to come inside on his left foot. He, I mean, he's a killer. That he is, he's desperate to get on with it. And if he misses, he doesn't give a fuck. He still thinks he's going to score the next time. Mm-hmm. And he's got that level of self-belief and arrogance that Rashford doesn't quite have. And you see it in the mongrel in how he competes. And you see it 
in the fact that he's now started scoring goals and he's celebrating them in the correct manner as well. Enjoyed that. The, the old sitting on the on the hoarding celebration. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we might be seeing quite a bit more of that. That was nice. The three of them, Hoyland, Garnacho and Mainu, all sat together. Cracking <coughs> picture. He's, he's started 19 games in a row now, Garnacho has. I mean, he's solidly in the side and everyone else is competing for the other spot. You um, can see, you can see it happening. You can see at the end of last season that he was he was going to be too good to leave out very soon. And there was this thing that he only plays well off the bench, but the sample size of that was so small. That he had so few starts that that just didn't seem like a particularly sensible, meaningful criticism. And it would seem fairly clear that he'd soon he'd soon want Rashford's spot. I mean, I said in preseason, if I was Rashford, I'd be learning to play centre forward because that left-wing spot was not going to be available very soon. And as it's turned out, it's worked out really well for Rashford because it is available because Gunnachit, we needed someone on the right and, and it's him. Yeah. But it's that it's the balance that we get from his ability to play on the touchline and go outside. And Dallow can also do that and he's there, but also Shaw's giving you the same on the other side. And it now makes me think about the kind of player that we might want to sign in the summer, that Michael Elise is someone who apparently we're interested in, who, I mean, this is according to the Muppeteers site, where when he, Chelsea also are interested, but he preferred to go to United. And my, I think Michael Elise is a lovely footballer, someone I'd love to watch play every week. But I'm now thinking that if we sell Rash, if we would sell Rashford, and I would probably take an offer off Paris now, because I think that the money that we could get this summer would be too good, and it would be Rashford's. What is he? Twenty-seven now. If you get a hundred million quid for Rashford, then that is money that you can fully use all of on your on your FFP for a player who probably isn't going to improve that much between now and then. And if you don't sell him this summer, you're probably stuck with him. So he's 31, 32, still taking those massive wages. And so much as I'm desperate for Rashford to succeed, and much as I much as I respect him for things he's done that have nothing to do with football, I feel like he I'm not certain he'll ever be quite good enough to be a key player in a side that wins the big pots. The thing that might keep me from flogging him, apart from the fact that I like him, is that as a fourth choice, a first rotation, he'd be the best player you could possibly get. Yeah, so then uh, not justifying the massive wages. I, I think the thing that might keep the fee down is the wages, though, because even Paris Saint-Germain would look at the total package and it would be astronomically high. Michael Lise, I like. It's kind of interesting. I mean, he is a player who is just he's a lovely footballer and he does glide past people. He's not at all a traditional wide player, really. I mean, he plays there. And but he, he feels more like a kind of inside player playing out, or yeah, because he's inverted an outside player playing in. Not sure, one of the two, but he would be a nice addition. We'll, I think we'll that... see what United want to do there. I mean, for sure, Anthony like doesn't deserve his place in this side at all, based on now what eighteen months of performances. If only for the fact that there's absolutely zero output. I mean, he's he just uh, he got a goal at Newport. He got some praise for that. Sure. And an assist. And, uh, I know, all right, fine. And devastating, an devastating performance. Yeah, I spent most of the game thinking how shit he was. So, yeah. so but actually has got now five in the Premier League. I'm not sure how many in other comps. Can't remember off the top of my head. But the output's always just going to be much better. And and in the end, if you're a forward, whether it's wide or inside, 
It just needs to be some output, which there isn't with Anthony. Yeah, 100%. It's always, would always be in the first instance, much as football's quite helpful using the eye test, is what are your numbers? And I think with that right-hand side, I think that what will need to happen and is that Ten Huff is going to need to decide what Garnacho's position is. And it doesn't mean he has to stay there. It doesn't mean he shouldn't be swapping with whoever the other winger is. It just means that if you're going to buy a winger in the summer and you're only going to, you need to decide what position you're going to use Garnacho in because whoever right. you buy, you're then buying for the side that is opposite to that. And I don't mind if they want to pick him on the left, although I'm enjoying him on the right. But if I bought him on the left, if I, put, if I decide I'm selling Rashford and putting Garnacho on the left, then the player that I need, I want a right footed right footer, I think. And similarly, if I sell Rashford <clears> and play Garnacho on the right, I don't mind as much having an inside forward playing on the left because I've still have that balance with Shaw. But I think I wouldn't want, I don't think I'd want two inverted wingers because I don't think United's midfield with Maynou and whoever we buy is going to be defensively orientated and oriented enough to send both the fullbacks forward and rely on them for the width, like Liverpool did basically with uh, Robertson and Alexander Arnold. That, they had two inverted forwards because they had a centre forward who came deep and got into midfield, Firmino, and then three just monstrous athletes charging about. And United's team isn't that. So I don't think they could get away with fullbacks high and wide and two inside forwards. I think that it will need one who's playing on their natural side. And so that's, yeah, whether if we decide that's going to be Garnacho, then fine, but then it affects who, who, who you purchase. And if, if Rashford were to stay... And Garnacho were to play on the right. At that point, I'm not sure that Michael Elise would be the right player. No, I, I think that's all fair commentary, especially on uh, if you're going to drop 50, 60 million on a player, you probably want them to play. And if Freshford and, and Garnacho are both here at the club next season, that, that may well not be the case. I mean, I do think the balance of midfield, the certainly defensive midfield, matters for how United play. I mean, if you if you do want to play two high fullbacks, then a central midfielder who can drop in to make a back three, like when, when the transition happens, is kind of important. And Casemiro obviously doesn't have the legs for that. So someone physical in the summer will be, I think, high on the priority list. If there's any money, of course. I mean, I guess they should be one ticket. Ticks over past June, uh, there should be money again. And, and presumably United are going to try and make some big sales with Sancho and Greenwood and, and a couple others leaving the club as well. And I certainly get the impression, uh, if you look at what Ineos have done at, at Nice, it's just change change around the, the wage profile quite a bit. So that's why Varane and Casemiro might might look to, they might look to offload uh, them for whatever fee just to, to restructure some of that. Yeah, I mean, I think mainly you can drop in. But one of the things I've found pleasing the last few games is he's not really doing so much of that. He's doing it when necessary because I guess I was concerned that Ten Hag would just want him to be De Jong. And I, I, we don't want that. We, and he'd, but then he said a few weeks ago that he's got stuff going forward and we'll be seeing that. And he is basically now the box-to-box guy. And, I'm ple- and so that affects obviously the player that we're going to buy instead of him. But even, if, even what it needs is it needs basically Casemiro, just five to ten years younger. It needs someone who can who can clear up in front of the back four, take the ball off the defenders, but you you also someone who can contribute going forward because there'll be times when it will be Mayu dropping in. Mm-hmm. And if we get the right player in that position, someone fast, strong, who can carry the ball and pass, then you'll see a very good team. As far as getting rid of Mayu, not Mayu, so as far as getting rid of Casemiro and Varangos, I'm sort of torn on that one because both the wages would be handy, handily repurposed. 
But at the same time, having that winner's mentality around, especially if they're not first choices, because we're going to buy Varane's replacement this summer, whether he stays or goes. Hmm. We're going to buy Casemiro's replacement, whether he stays or goes. And having these lads available as your as your first change or your rotation players is well is well worth having. And I would not easily discard that kind of experience given a squad that basically has won fuck all, really, or com- even yeah, competed sure. for anything. I mean, if I was keeping but, one of them, which see. Like that is not the calculation, but if it was just one, I'd keep Varane rather than Casemiro because I'm I just don't see how Casemiro's contribution ticks up from here. But I could be totally wrong on that one. I just don't. Yeah, it's I, been a year since he's been good, basically. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, we'll we'll if Casemiro stays fit for the next month, we'll know because what he does in that amount of time will tell us whether he's ready and able to compete for us. If he isn't, then obviously he gets flogged in the summer. And if he is, then you've got a decision to make. Because if you sing, there's quite a lot of sellable players in it. Like you're going to sell Polistri, Wan Bissaka, Van der Beek, just Greenwood, Van der Beek, yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. for whatever you get for them. But amongst those players, there's probably, probably 60, 70 million quid there. Well, uh, but, Greenwood and, and Sancho should be taking up to more than that between them. I mean, between them. Yeah. Greenwood's an interesting one because, I mean, he's doing all right mm-hmm. in La Liga. Uh, there's some there's some chatter about larger, bigger sides being in for him. I don't know whether that's just agent talk or trying to create a market for him. I, I don't know the veracity of this story that went around saying United agreed a 20% sell-on with Hetafe, which would be absolutely incredible for one season on loan somewhere. I guess, I guess they felt that was, if that's true, they had to do that in order to get someone interested. Seems a bit odd. We'll see. We'll see whether that's true because it'll be in the accounts after next one, <laughs> so a while down the line. But uh, yeah, there, I look forward to fee- that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Super exciting stuff. There's a fee somewhere there. Sancho, he's on massive wages. So again, total package. I, I, I can't imagine you might get anywhere near the fee they paid for him, but maybe half of it. So to someone, yeah, I mean, be, take half of it in a second. Yeah, Dortmund's uh, sporting director said today that they couldn't afford it. So it's not going to be. They couldn't afford what? To sign him permanently. So we'll see. So it looks like it won't be Dortmund unless that's a negotiating ploy. Anyway, that's all, for the, that's all for the summer, isn't it? For, for now, I mean, that's like, it's, it's another victory. Like, there's a few in a row now. It's starting to feel a bit better. I think what is worth noting as well is that there seems to be just a bit of growing team spirit. That Garnacho and Hoyland seem to be mates. And made like just that celebration sitting on the thing was nice because it was nice and because it could just a celebration, but also it look it looks like there's start there's a bit of spirit starting to build where and it's that kind of thing that enables them to win games that they shouldn't, which hopefully will come too. So yeah, I mean it it's not just the improving play, but it feels like things are on the right track now. Yeah, after the Wolves game, I, I think I might have mentioned it on the pod, Hoyland was interviewed and he said, they've been chatting about Mainu uh, and he's a generational talent. I'm like, way, way to hype the lad up. I mean, let's, it'd be nice to keep our feet on the ground there. But yeah, there seems, but they, I, does, they does seem to be a spirit building. I, I do agree with that. And uh, I don't have a problem so, with that because I think that like, Mainu reminds me a bit of Bellingham. Partly as a little bit as a player, obviously Bellingham's more physical, but 
he knows exactly how good he is, not because he's arrogant, although Beckham, Bellingham is quite arrogant, they get sort of straying towards the very fucking arrogant side, side of very arrogant, I think. But with good reason, it's just, it's, they can't pretend that they're not as good as they are because it's so obvious. Yeah. They just have to know. And they both behave and play like they know how good they are. But why should I, why should I not do this? And that's, that's kind of what both of them do. And the other player mainly reminds me, reminds me quite a lot of Skulls because he can do all the simple stuff and doing the simple stuff well is doesn't some simple and easy are not synonyms doing the simple stuff doesn't mean you're doing easy stuff at all mm. it means you're doing the right stuff that you should do on the football pitch but also mainly you can do the flashy stuff like with a nutmeg the other day but you'll only do it if it's the right thing to do and that was the same with skulls you'd see him score with a back flick against west ham because that was what that situation called for but he won't do it gratuitously and Maynou seems a bit like that as well, that he knows what you have to do on the football pitch. And if it happens to be something flashed, then he'll do it. And if it's sideways past five yards, then he'll do that. Yeah. I, also, I, the other I, thing. Yeah, yeah. One more thing is I like is that if the ball needs to go back to the goalkeeper, it will. And previously, this was something that would be fucking annoying every time we did it because you didn't trust the ability to work it back up the pitch. But now they have that ability to work it back up at the pitch. They're not scared to reset play by going back to the goalkeeper and building again. And that is feels like a big improvement. Yeah. I mean, if you have Anana, Lissandro, Menu as that kind of three building up, United's build up is going to be a lot better for sure. For, for, for sure. I mean, whatever question marks are over Anana, he generally picks the right ball. On Menu, I mean, at youth levels, he's played in a lot of different positions. He's played wide, up front, and at sort of number 10, as well as the more standard box to box. Be a good question how Ten Hag, I mean, I don't know if we trust Ten Hag to um, manage younger players and and develop them yet. I mean, there's there's still a TBD on that, isn't there? But it'd be interesting to see if he is the long-term manager, how he uses menu, because being able to play in a number of different positions is useful, but we'd also like a clear idea what it is he brings. It feels like he's got too much to his game to just sit him at six though he's not uh, i think that we've now seen that's not going to happen and yeah. what i what i like about the, the the first 11 that we now have is the there's it's not full of people that despise the ball the person that the only player who doesn't really want the ball is rafael varan and he's rafael varan yeah who i mean he's not the best ball playing center back you've ever seen but he's certainly not the worst but it can go to anyone on the pitch you're not when the ball goes, you don't like look outside, look wide, and think, "Oh fuck, is Juan Bissaka? Is there anyone else there?" No, and I think that's right. And and Rafa Varane's perfectly acceptable. Uh, he's uh, in the he's he's around about the middle. If you look at the pack of progressive passes and pass completion of centre backs in the in the Premier League, he, he's like right in the middle of that pack, right? So he's not. Yes, absolutely, he's not the best ball playing centre back ever, but he's perfectly acceptable there, and he's a good defender. He's just not reliably reliably. He's fit. also I mean, almost unbeatable in the air. And in this yeah, particular yeah, yeah. team, that is that is very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was an interesting piece this week since we we're talking about transfers and stuff. Malik in the mirror said that Ten Hag was upset that he wasn't giving any funds in January, and this would be the second time this had happened. What does upset mean in that context? Yeah, I don't know. There was not very much detail in that piece. So it does, it, it smacks a sort of agent talk, doesn't it? Upset. Uh, I mean, Al Arteta was upset that people said he was going to take the Barcelona job. And again, like, <laughs> upset. Like, how does this manifest? These, feeling, these feelings of upset. Like, did you, 
Did you cry? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I don't know. Like, what? How? How did this manifest? Other than you just totally getting on with your day, like it never happens. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trust Ten Hag with with monopoly money, let alone real cash. So at this point, it's like he's fifty fifty on whether his choices of players work out, and I don't think he'll be given that power ever again with a new management coming in. I mean, clearly, no, no chance. There'll, there'll be a director it, of football appointed at some point. I mean, the the takeover or the partial takeover will be ratified within the next couple of weeks, I imagine. I mean, they've had quite a long time on this now, the Premier League. It's not going to get political. It's just uh, it's just the numbers and the, the proof of funds and the, the standard processes. And shortly after that, they'll appoint a director of football. And obviously, new CEOs coming in and, and Ten Hag will never have that power to spunk a hundred million on Anthony ever again. I'd love to, ten, to see Ten Hag spunking on Anthony. But in the meantime... Jesus. <laughs> you would, you'd love to mean- see that, would you? Yeah, specialist site there. Footballers jizzing on each other.com. Yeah, awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he won't, he won't be allowed to decide who comes in the summer. And it's that, because I think that when Ten Hag came, he, you know, he United needed him as much as he needed them. That's probably less the case now the football operation is being run by people who will do it because it's sort of detoxified the job. If Ten Hag had failed at United, you'd be thinking, well, who in their right mind with prospects and options is going to take this job? Whereas now if Ten Hag fails, it's not the same because the owners, the people that are running the football operation are not effectively deliberately hindering you anymore. So if Ten Hag says, well, yeah, I must have full control, then... It's you much easier there. for the board to say see it a bit. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's right. I mean, well, like whatever one thinks about the Ineos partial takeover and that whole process, I think it's clear that they are going to get some expert football people into the right positions. Uh, and United have not had that since 2013, uh, and uh, that will be a big change for sure. And and hopefully United are much smarter. I mean. We'll see this summer, but let's just imagine they will get the right players into this squad to take it on, restructure some of the uh, the wages, I imagine, and, and do some sensible buying and selling in the market again, which hasn't happened in forever. And you know, well, it'd be an awful lot at, better for it. You look at the players that are available, and the thing, as we were going through them before, there's 100 million quid there, except you just know there won't be. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, yeah, we it will take quite a long time to unwind the damage that has been done. So both on the wages and the spending. I mean, you know, as we said, we'll, we'll never get anywhere near Greenwood's top of the market value for reasons, because he's a toxic asset. So is Sancho for different reasons. And let's just hope there aren't any. There's nothing more in Jesus Christ. No more bad stories. Let's hope Nacho doesn't turn out to be a sex pest, right? So it'll be yeah, unfortunate. But also, because if you think about the players we still need, we need, I think, a goalkeeper, a right-back, at least one centre-back, at least one midfield player, a winger, and at least one attacker. Maybe t- that, that, the striker. That's, with, if we just get one of all of those things, that's six. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. if you sell Rashford, then you don't, that is the money. The Rashford plus whatever the spends would be and whatever else you get from sales, that will be enough to buy everything you need urgently this this summer. All right. 
there isn't a game this midweek. They've got a whole week off. What are you going to do with yourself? They play Aston Villa next weekend. I will probably do a midweek pod and chat about stuff that's going on because there's, there's always news with United. But Villa kind of interesting side this season. Obviously some, you know, what, eight points above United. Deservedly so. I think they've been really consistent under Emery, who's got them playing like way more attacking football than I thought he would get them playing. I mean, given Emery's kind of history. But uh, yeah, they're a good side. Yeah, I think the thing with Villa was that when even when Dean Smith was the manager, they had a lot of really good players. They spent a lot of money and they had really good players. And first he, then Gerard, couldn't work out what formation to play and which of them to play. So there'd be a bad result. They'd change the formation, change the team or both, and they just keep doing it. And it comes to a point with any manager, like when you're in that situation, you just have to pick a lineup, pick a formation and stick to it because it's the continuity that will give you those kind of automatisms that make a football team look like a football team. And and it doesn't matter if you think, well, we lost 1-0 and maybe I should play Buendia and not fucking Moussa Diaby or whoever. It's that you have to just settle and then then you can start mucking about again. And that's what that's what Emery did. I mean, I'm sure he's a much better coach than the other two as well. And he's, I mean, yeah, he's obviously got great pedigree. So part of it is that. But <coughs> it feels to me like the main thing is he turned up to the same squad that Gerard had and Made had a lot, lot of good players. Had a lot yeah. of good players in it. And it's not just by drilling them or organizing them. As I said, that I'm sure that's part of it. It's saying, okay, we're going to play like this and these are the people going to do it. And as it goes, the way that that happens is not bad for the way United play or the way United can play because if they're going to insist playing that high line, I mean, Newcastle just pick-fucked them last week the, the same way with Anthony yeah. Gordon, just yeah. absolutely killed them and Gimaraish, someone who can get on the ball and pass it. And if they're going to play like that against United again, then they might, I mean, they might find it difficult. I mean, they might also run United off the pitch like they did last season. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it, that will be interesting because the 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 Bruno Fernandez long diagonal or, or my new switch of play. I did notice actually Ten Hag was on the sideline today, kind of in trying to encourage Rashford and Garnacho to get a bit higher up because the switch was on. But it definitely will be against Villa. They've scored eighteen goals more than United in the Premier League season. That that's absolutely criminal when you look at the comparative attacking resources available that they've scored 18 goals more than United. But, but as soon as United have got all the right bits in the right places, we've scored, what is it? Is it 4-3-3, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 10 goals in the, last, in the last three games and suddenly it doesn't look like scoring goals will be a problem anymore. I mean, obviously we haven't played the greatest opponents, but Wolves won 4-1 at Chelsea today from behind yeah. as well yeah. and we're playing well they're not they're not mugs and I mean Newport obviously a different thing but West Ham also without Lucas Pacatar who's, who's a good player but still like absolutely not mugs and United beat them quite easily without playing well hmm. so it, it it does feel like that Villa game is winnable we need to make sure we don't lose it I would say but if it is winnable then we're right back in the mix for the top four Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously you lose to Villa and then it's an 11-point gap and you, you don't imagine that's going to be like caught up over the second half of this season. United probably need to win, what, it's normally low 70s getting the 70 top four. Points. 
Yeah, yes. 70 points probably get you High 60s for five. Yeah, so what's that? Another 10 wins or something this season. So it's quite a lot given like United's record. First half, I'd say with Villa, kind of interesting. Yeah, both tactically how they played, but also like they are really strong in midfield. Luis and McGinn, excellent seasons. Both been excellent. Obviously, Ollie Watkins scoring goals as well. Bailey's been pretty good, wide. They've just got um, options. Diaby's a good player. Yeah. I think, yeah, if just looking at the table now, I mean, Villa, we're kind of assuming also that Villa are going to keep winning and Tottenham are going to keep winning. And that's not necessarily going to be the case either. I mean, Tottenham really got away with one against Brentford. They played well for 10 minutes and scored scored three goals, but Brentford's second goal was coming when it came and it looked like they might get an equaliser. Tottenham, Tottenham aren't good. And if a sensible second half of the season from here, we should finish above them. Yeah, six-point gap to Spurs, eight to Villa. I mean, it's a lot, no doubt about it, but United don't lose another nine games in the second half of the season, then it's quite possible. <laughs> Extraordinary with saying Christ. that. Yeah, exactly. And this, uh, is, this is a problem with Ten Hag, whatever happens. That, And I know all the excuses, the number of injuries, the players that had those injuries, the number of times he's had to change the team, the number of times he's had to change the back four, all of that. And how can you play 10 half football when your defence is for the people with club foot? That is a problem. And yet it shouldn't have been this bad. And you actually need to have every single player in the right place for it to work. And I guess it feels like we're going to see because it doesn't seem like we're going to see Martinez for a bit. So can we play football without Martinez? It's a big question. Because yeah. we haven't so far this season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, both defensively, but also in the build-up, he's a he's a real big player, and that's uh, it's just going to be a massive blow if he's out for a while. They'll presumably send him for a scan really soon, and we'll find out. Because you could you could put Shaw there, but he's making such and Rashford so much better with Shaw, and he's just making a difference. You could, but if you've got Molasty coming back, you could put Shaw there and have your left-footed passer. But if you don't, then it's back to Maguire. Who... It's back to Maguire, yeah. Yeah. Who won one colossal tackle today, but got absolutely busted twice. Mm. And doesn't have the pace to play with the, the line where United need it to be. And it won't happen, but I'd be thinking about giving Big Willie a go or playing someone else there because I can't. I just I just can't. Like I'm trying to feel positive and hopeful and seeing Harris Maguire arouses the opposite of that. <laughs> I tell you what got me around today talking about that. Calvin Phillips giving away the ball for the third and then jogging back, the slowest jog back recovery effort you've ever seen. I'm like, I think Pep might have been right about that, lad. Well Grandma Vera says what's that her name? Granny Vera? His granny became famous on, on Twitter for like giving him advice and stuff. It's actually really cute. What's the advice? Stop eating pies. <laughs> His transfer is very, very dodgy. His transfer to City is one of those ones that you look at it and you think, wow, that is exceedingly dodgy. He, so he, when he went to City, there was a few clubs that were prepared to pay for him. Villa were prepared to pay more and Newcastle offered more than, than City eventually took. They, they were offered like 50-something. They ended up taking 42. And City, and Daniel Harris understands, tapped him up to leave the January before, which he may or may not have known about. 
But Victor Orta definitely knew about it. And he sent Leeds as then head of comms to try and persuade the Phillips family to switch agents, which he eventually did. He left Kevin Sharp, the agent he'd been with since he was a kid, just before the big payday, and signed, signed with someone else. And he had been with Kevin Sharp since he was 13, I think. And what, what ends up with that is like City end up, City say that they paid 55 million, but we know that Leeds got 42 million. And there's 12 and a half million knocking about there. But where exactly is that? And then Jack Harrison goes on loan to City. And instead of buying him, the club then leads, then agree another loan, a third year loan. Why would you do that with injury risk? It's just the whole thing just feels kind of like City wanted the player and were involved with money going to Leeds that may or may not be on the Leeds books that would have taken it up to the amount that other people were prepared to pay. Yeah. That would be my hypothesis that some money on that in that situation, some money in that deal isn't where it where it is meant to be. Are, are you suggesting City might have been going around regulations or, or paying agents off book? Or may, maybe there's a... I don't know, a shell company in Abu Dhabi that was suddenly a footballer's had equity in and money was being funneled through it or something like that. I mean, that, that, that I... definitely doesn't sound like City. I mean, they're, they're fully above board and they've never done anything wrong ever. It's like actually that. more, I actually was, it's more a Leeds thing, actually. Um, where where the, did the money was, go? Yeah, there was, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on at Leeds. If they sold now, I can't even remember to the American 49ers people. Yeah, I think the fu- um, yeah, I think I think the rest of, I mean there were partial owners anyway. I think the rest of it has been taken over over by So 49ers in the enterprises. in the, the yeah. end of that period, Leeds made some very curious signings from teams in Germany being who was it? Who are they? there's two clubs in Germany and I forget who they are who don't have to announce their accounts because they're privately owned. I think one is Hoffenheim, and can't remember who the other one is. It's but, Leipzig, isn't it? Then, then yeah, not, yeah um, it must be Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so they bought because I thought it was Leverkusen for a second, but it isn't. No, yeah, no. Hoffenheim are generally hated in Germany because they're one of the non fifty plus ones, and they they're like a village team that came good through large amounts of money. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I I think that yeah, they bought a couple of players off of those clubs who weren't good and aren't good particularly. Lewis Sinistera, maybe, and one other. And Was, was yeah, it Leeds like, that were involved in that deal where they they took someone on loan with an obligation to buy, and I forget the player now. Sorry, it's not Lewis Sinistera who came from Feyenoord, but they did buy a couple of players, one from Leipzig and one from Hoffenheim, and I forget who they are. But, yeah, those they bought from the two clubs who don't need to show accounts, which may or may not be telling. Yeah. Awesome. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Backers, stay tuned. Uh, We'll catch everyone else next time. Peace.